You're listening to Podiatry Marketing, conversations on building a successful podiatry practice with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. So welcome back to Podiatry Marketing. With me is the one, the only big Jim McDonald. How are you doing today, Jim? Tyson, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks, as always, for that uh, original intro. It makes me feel uh, my, my chest puffs, puffs up a little bit every time I, I hear Big Jim McDonald. So. I was talking to someone yesterday, and they said they've been listening to the podcast, and they said they crack up laughing at um, my introductions. They said, you always, they said you always just change the introduction a little bit, and you can tell when you will say something different that Jim wasn't expecting. So, <laughs> Well, I've got to get back at you one of these days. I need to... Uh, I don't know. I got like tiny Tyson or something. I, I've got to oh, get back at you one of the tests. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, damn. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fat boy. Fat boy Tyson. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> uh, so, Jim, what are we talking about today? Yeah. So, today we're going to talk about uh, patient onboarding, patient forms, just kind of like that. You know, I think there's kind of this notion that like when you want to have a great patient experience, you're talking about like once they're inside your clinic. Uh, but really, when you step back and think, Think about it. There's so much more there, whether it's their their marking that they see from you. Um, that's one thing. But today we're really going to talk about someone's made an appointment. They yeah. want to come see you. Like how? What are those kind of steps before they come into your clinic that you should be kind of laser focused on? Because that's going to have a huge impact on how they already kind of preconditioned or how they perceive the experience they're gonna have. So how can you make that a great experience as they're kind of like working their way towards that clinic and appointment visit. Okay, so they've gone through all the other stuff, through your marketing, your website, maybe social media pages, and they've decided you are the person I want to see. They've phoned up. They've made the appointment. Your receptionist has been awesome. Now what? That's what you're talking about. Yeah, so obviously the the next step is like, you know, in the I wouldn't say the olden days, but maybe in the, the pre-COVID or even up to five years ago, you know, we all had paper and we had clipboards, right? So... You go into yep. a, a medical office or a dental office and you get the clipboard, you know, you're probably running five minutes late. Uh, <laughs> maybe you're dragging a kid with you to, the, to the, the medical office. You're trying to like write down your life's history, you know, and these like three to five pages of documents. Like, to be honest, not a great kind of patient or user experience. So, you know, now to the, nowadays, uh, ways of trying to make things more simple, you know, once they do to make that appointment, providing them a link or a way to fill out an online patient form. So that's the patient history. And the, in the U.S., that's going to be your HIPAA documentation and maybe a, pay, a payment uh, policy that your clinic has. So if someone can do that, you know, when their kids go to bed or at a time that's convenient for them leading up to the appointment and then send it back to you, not only is that great for the patient because they're kind of done with that and you, and you have that documentation now, but if that ties into your EMR or if you have a good system in place to kind of like tee up that patient, you know, you're saving yourself and the patient time once they get there to focus on them and the patients in your practice for a great clinical experience, as opposed to like chasing papers, making copies, trying to get it in the chart. It just leads to kind of a chaotic scene. And if you can avoid all that through online forms or some different ways of doing things online, it can be a real beneficial uh, aspect uh, of, of kind of improving and making that patient experience better i can totally relate to that i had an mri done oh, maybe three months ago and when i went in there yeah walked in and next thing they said oh here fill in these forms gave me the folder 
and a pen. And I said, is that pen clean? Because you know, <laughs> didn't want a COVID pen. I sat down. It was. There were three forms that I had to go through and, and all that. And I could just imagine having like a, a three-year-old with me. Yeah, if I was a younger parent. Yeah, not now. It would, be, it would actually be my grand, <laughs> grandchild. But I can picture having my grandchild with me and trying to complete those forms. At the same time, I would just be going, because the forms were annoying. I would have rather them sent them to me beforehand. Can you complete all this? And I have been to a surgery where they did do that. Sent me all the forms beforehand, completed everything, sent it all in. And as soon as I walked in, what was funny is they ran on time. The other place that made me fill in all the forms, they were running about 25 minutes late. Yeah. I mean, just being kind of like being good stewards of your time and when people other care, care about your time, it, it's a huge signal that this, this clinic is, you know, cares about me as a patient and a person. And that just speaks volumes for sure. I think one thing you touched on that's interesting as well is that kind of during, you know, COVID times and people not wanting to be in, you know, sitting in waiting rooms, filling out forms is that not only are people like sitting in, in waiting rooms and filling out forms, but during COVID times, you're having to get there even earlier to maybe sit in the parking lot in your car yeah. and fill out forms. So then you have staff running outside to go give a form or a clipboard to a patient that's not even in your clinic yet. So if you can cut all that stuff out and make it super convenient and easy for, for patients, they'll be very thankful um, that you're, like I said, being a good steward of their time and really respecting them as both a person and a patient. So what's the best way to deliver or to get them to complete these documents? Because... You could send a PDF, you could send a Word document that they've got to download. And yeah, so what, what's the best way of doing it? Yeah, so there's definitely this range and you touched on a couple of them. You know, there's kind of the spectrum from, you know, clipboard paper to like everything on an online form. Yeah. Um, and when I say online form, this is, you know, they're, they're typing in either on their phone or on their desktop computer. And then that information is sent to you. Um, not something that they have to like download losing their downloads folder, try to find a PDF reader or some like, I imagine my parents or my grandparents trying to fill out like a Word document or a PDF that requires a special piece of software to actually save it and then email it back. It just, um, it's just like an extra like four or five steps, which is basically means they're going to basically fill it in um, at the clinic because they're going to forget it. It's not going to be right. Um, it's just not a good user experience. But if you can have and I, I'm a big proponent of the online form that is sent to the clinic. Maybe it ties into an EMR. There are, um, you know, the kind of the two big ones these days, and you'll see different providers and different systems and different EMR companies using them. But it's kind of these online forms versus patient portals. Yeah, um, that's the kind of the main ways that, that things are done these days. And I know it's gonna it's gonna vary from country to country as well, like America because of your HIPAA compliance and also your ins the way your insurance works, probably a little bit more complicated than it is, say, in Australia or maybe New Zealand and the United Kingdom. Yeah, for sure. You know, with, with insurance companies and the things they require as far as coding and reporting specific types of care, uh, it can be a little bit more onerous as far as the type of paperwork, the information you have to gather. Obviously, you have to make sure it's safe, so it has to be HIPAA compliant. And that's that's the kind of there's some different trade-offs if you want to go with more like an online forms way of doing things. Obviously, there has to be HIP compliance both of that and the patient portal. But there's there's some trade-offs we can get into uh, a little bit about those differences that are needed um, if you kind of go one way or the other. But, so, what's your preferred method? Yeah. So usually, I'm I'm a bigger fan of like the kind of online forms. So obviously, you have to make sure that 
whoever you're working with has this HIPAA compliance. But the nice thing about these online forms is number one, that uh, usually it's a little, I would say it's kind of more lightweight, meaning that like, if you have a link on your clinic's website, you can usually just have, you know, new patient form in a link, they click through it, they can just type in on their, their phone or on their desktop uh, keyboard, and, you know, basically send that directly to you right there. Um, generally, that's not going to require any kind of login and password. Yeah. Um, that's probably one of the biggest downfalls to me of these patient portals, um, along with just kind of being like something, I think people are pretty used to kind of online forms, you know, like fill out these things and hit submit. Um, but if you have to do another step where it's like, okay, now you need to get a new login and a new password for this online portal. Um, I've seen some of these that look like they're from like, you know, 1993. Like, you know, the colors that like, it's just kind of wonky and kind of janky looking. Um, it, it doesn't, it looks, you know, it looks separate from the website. So sometimes people a little bit older think that yeah. they got sent somewhere else. And now they're asking for all this personal information on something that doesn't look like your website or doesn't look like, you know, Tyson Franklin podiatrist. Like, what is this? You know, they don't know the name of your EMR. So sometimes the name of the EMR is there. So like, it can feel like they're jumping through a hoop that they don't necessarily trust. And now they're giving away some very important personal information. So um, that, you know, the, the, the trade-off there though, is like, you have to make sure you use an online form that can tie into that EMR. You know, a lot of the EMRs that, that use patient portals, that's the benefit is that they, um, that they, they will tie into an EMR, but it just, like I said, there can be a little bit of trust issues there as well. Um, with online forms, sometimes I would say also, you know, you need to know what you're getting yourself into because sometimes you'll see these like all-in-one solutions or they're trying to sell you like 15 different things and online patient, you know, history forms is one of those 15 things. So, um, you know, if you have a good provider and, and if you see some of those other things is useful, that that's a good thing. But I like to usually try to keep it simple initially for most of the clients I work with. Yeah, because I have experienced some bad ones where, you go to complete something, it says, oh, we need your email address, you need to set up an account. You go, I don't want to set up an account, <laughs> but I can't do it otherwise. And then now create a unique password. So you'll go, oh, if I don't want to create a unique password, I type unique password. And, and then I'll go, oh, no, it needs a capital. Okay, I'll put a capital, <laughs> my unique password. Oh, it needs a number. Oh, bloody hell. Okay, I'll, I'll add a number here. Oh, it needs a special character. Oh, come on. Like, it's not that important. And But it's every time... You have to go through one of those steps and that little bit of frustration builds up a little bit of anxiety before you even walk into the clinic or the business. Yeah, it's about, it's a, you're trying to, like you said, you're trying to build like a positive relationship with the patient. And if you're like already asking them to like, you know, make a unique password, make a username, then they forget the password when they try to re-log in to check in when their appointment is. You know, it just, um, they're already coming into your clinic maybe a little, not mad at you, but just already kind of like a little frustrated with the user experience. And like, the whole reason to try to get these forms in the first place is to try to make it as convenient as possible for the patient and to really build that rapport and really kind of like we talked about bridge that patient experience from the time that they see your marketing they think you're the right person to see it was great to make the appointment but then when they have that appointment how do they get from there into your clinic as smooth and as easy as possible so they can then have that great kind of face-to-face -face experience with you. But that those gaps or that bridge is, is super important. And if you don't um, if you don't pay attention to it, like if you're if you have 
four different patients who are all filling out new patient paperwork in your office. And then that puts you back, like you said, behind 30 minutes because it took, you know, uh, the little old lady down the street, you know, 45 minutes to be able to, to fill out the paperwork, which is, you know, that, that stuff sometimes happens in practices. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you, even if the thing with the online forms too, is that if the patient does have trouble filling it out, maybe it's something that somebody on your staff can do even beforehand to walk them through over the phone. So there are ways to try to make that inpatient experience um, just more convenient and timely to respect people's time and, uh, and to really kind of build that out um, shouldn't be overlooked. Do you think they can be, they can ask for too much information? Can you get too detailed? Or, or is, there a, is there a happy medium on what information you should get beforehand and what information you should ask in the room? Yeah, I mean, I think you don't have to have like every specific detail. Like obviously every podiatrist that's listening to this podcast is going to obviously, you know, double check that history or a member of their staff will check that history. But I think it is important to try to have things that are relevant, um, you know, to the, you know, so that that, that, that visit, um, if they do want to add more, if they didn't feel comfortable filling out the form, that's why we double check those things. Uh, but yeah, the more information, the better just kind of gives you a general idea of what you might experience during that 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 clinic visit, uh, but we do have a HIPAA compliant uh, provider. Um, you know whether it's insurance is obviously I, I, probably stuff like financial information. I would say like credit cards and things like that um, should be done in some secure manner that it has more than yeah. just like HIPAA compliance. There's definitely there's different types of security that can be embedded in some of these different types of form to make sure that um, it's legitimate. Um, but like I said. If it's somehow tied to your website and it has similar brand to you, um, that's a huge component, kind of maintaining that trust uh, to make sure they don't feel like it's some strange handoff to the name of an EMR that they've never heard of before. And now they're, like you said, giving away sensitive information they feel uncomfortable about. Yeah, I think it's good what you said too about just checking the information they fill in. Because if these people are filling in forms through different businesses, they're comparing you to other businesses. So I think if you can get some feedback from it could be really helpful. No, and I think I think that's a great point because it, you know these online forms are probably not going to work for you know 100% of your patient population, right? I think you know people my grandparents' age, uh, you know they're probably just going to show up uh, for the appointment and have to do it uh, with some help from the staff. But you know, and, and getting that feedback does help you make sure that you're asking like good questions and in and, and a kind of a way that uh, people find it useful, right? Because I think the real goal of you know doing these online forms is like I thought, like we talked about, making it as convenient as possible for the patient. But then it kind of all you know it unburdens your staff, or at least part of the time it should should unburden your staff so they can really pay attention to the patient and provide that great uh, inpatient experience and that clinic experience. So the patient really feels like they were listened to. Um, they're not you know having to like run around from patient to patient helping fill out paperwork they can really focus on you know moving them from the waiting room or where they're at into the room asking them questions um but all that kind of baseline work and that busy work has been taken care of beforehand so they can really you know uh, build that reputation of your practice and your clinic that you are a, a clinic that listens that is very attentive to the needs of their patients um because that's the kind of stuff that will separate you from everybody else you know every podiatrist at least in the u.s um, not every, but a lot of people are similarly trained, yeah. have similar set of skills. Um, so it's these small differentiators, the type of, you know, patient experience you provide, listening to your patients that really will set you apart, um, and help kind of that positive, either verbal or digital word of mouth, spread the good news about the, the great work that you're doing. 
Yeah, well, the easiest thing I can equate it to is even like during COVID, and I've stayed at a few motels and hotels, is sometimes you can have a seamless transition from arriving to the motel to making it into your room. And then you can have other times where it is just so clunky that you, you walk in and the person I think is, is handing you an old-fashioned form to, to fill in and then they want they want to see your, your credit card and they're, they're writing details down on a sheet and and then they give you a key yeah, that's got a big plastic thing with the number of your room on there <laughs> and a big old metal key that says the name of the motel in it. You think, well, if I lose this thing, at least they know where to come and bring my key back to. <laughs> Compared to something that's more modern and up. And there's podiatry clinics that are like that. That you go to these old motels and you might stay, of course, it was convenient. It was the only motel in the small little town you happen to be in. But you go through that. And they're thinking, well, they don't need to change. But there's some podiatry clinics that are like that. They don't think they need to change and and update their onboarding process. And then there's other podiatry clinics that I know that are just like great motels you go to and it's a seamless process to get into your room. And which ones do you talk about and tell your friends to stay at? You don't say stay at the clunky one. <laughs> That's a great point. And like you said, if uh, if you do practice in, a, in an area that has you know, a younger subset, young professionals, you know, Gen Z, uh, folks like that, that don't like to talk on the telephone, you know, each generation is a little bit different, you know, maybe at some point in time, you know, you'll just, there'll almost be no like human interaction and that's what they want. Yeah. <laughs> like you check in for your appointment by, you know, using your iPhone, kind of like you do with Apple pay or something, you go sit, you wait for your notification on your phone within the clinic. Um, there's different ways that, you know, that that's done, whether it be in a, the hospitality industry. I think we talked about that on a previous podcast, but there's these different things that I wouldn't say they dehumanize them, but people just want to like have a repeatable, positive experience. They want to make sure that their time is valued uh, by the people that they're making appointments with. And if there's ways to evolve um, and kind of meet those needs and, and make it both a positive, efficient uh, manner of uh, you know running a practice, I think patients will definitely uh, be happy, uh, you know, some will be more happy than others, but I think, you know, depending on where you practice at, you always have to be learning and evolving um, the ways that you can provide a great experience for your patients. So you got anything else to wrap up on this or you're done? No, I think that's good. I think that touches on the, you know, the patient portal, the, the online forums, and just the, the importance of you know, providing that great experience from the time they make an appointment until they show up at your clinic uh, and seated in that appointment in your, in your clinic chair. So no, I think we, we talked about, Touch on some really good topics tonight. And uh, no, I appreciate it, Tyson. Okay, that's great. Talk to you next week. Sounds great. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Podiatry Marketing with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Subscribe and learn more at Podiatry Marketing. That's the website address, podiatry.marketing.